Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This week's episode of Enough About Me is brought to you by Milton's. Milton's, the goal of a great suit is to make you look great. And someone who doesn't normally look great looks great in a Milton's suit. And I know that from his trip to D.C. Am I wrong, Curtis? I normally look like crap, but the great people at Milton's helped outfit me for our trip to uh, the Trump White House when the Patriots visited in April, and I've gotten use of that suit several times since. It is the one thing I wear every time when I know people will say, you will look good. You, well, I've told you before, you do actually look good when you wear the suit. It's the only time I've ever been complimented about my appearance has been <laughs> at my trip to the White House, and uh, the few times I've worn it since, and it was just... It's the easiest thing to do. You go in, you get fitted, they get it ready for you, and it's a great price. They will help you choose the right suit with just the right fit. It could be by Hugo Boss, Ted Baker, or Michael Kors in a cool new blue or gray or a rich classic navy. And you'll get it at an unbeatable price. One suit starts at just $199.99 or get two with Milton's buy one, get one free suit sale starting at $299. At Milton's, you'll be as comfortable in our stores as you'll be in our clothes. South Shore Plaza, Braintree, and Chestnut Hill Square, Chestnut Hill. Milton's, the store for men. So I guess it's part two of the Enough About Me with Jason Wolf. I am recording this on the balcony in Kendamunkport. I apologize if the uh, crashing waves of the ocean annoy you. There's also cars going by, which isn't right. I would like to get rid of those cars. I'm working on changing the road so cars don't tro- drive by my place now. Uh, 68 degrees here uh, with a nice breeze, about 10 miles an hour. Uh, I stopped listening to Trenny and Mutt and Jerry show. It was not great. I mean, the whole week has not been great, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but I'll be back Monday. And as I tweeted out the other day, I will be talking about everything, uh, including why I was off the air last week. Um, it was not an extended vacation, is what I would say. We'll get into specifics on Monday morning, uh, right around 6 o'clock. I don't know how Wolfie would have handled this whole thing the last couple of weeks. My guess is he would have handled it much the same. Uh, you know, we're in a partnership, and that's what Wolf would have said as well. My guess is I would have had the same uh, sentence. Uh, that's just a guess, but that's kind of the way they went. And that's the way these guys always are, and I understand that that's part of their business as well. I do enjoy uh, reading uh, and seeing all these tweets about all this speculation, and I love seeing the tweets that say that it's all orchestrated and fake. I saw the media critic of the Boston Globe say that 97% of our show is fake. He tweeted that out yesterday. 97% of our show is fake. I asked him to give an example. Of course, he couldn't give one. Uh, and the reality, of course, is that our show is the least fake show on radio in Boston. The least fake. Because when we have a problem behind the scenes, we bring it up on the air. It's not orchestrated. You know, if I don't like Alex or Jer or Gary doesn't like somebody or Jerry's mad at somebody or Curtis, we talk about it on the air. Other shows don't. We do. I would say the other shows are fake because they live in pretend world where the red light goes on and they talk about, you know, what's going on with Aaron Judge's swing or, you know, what are they going to do about the third line and just stuff that, you know, nobody talks about conversationally at all. It's total bullshit. But they go on there, and they're safe, and they get no complaints, and they get, you know, ratings are okay, just enough to keep a job. Uh, but we go on there, and we fight, and we disagree, and we do what you do with your friends when you're talking to your friends. You argue. You fucking bullshit. You talk. You do what they do. You break each other's balls. You take cheap shots. You talk about stuff they don't want you to talk about. That's what reality is. That's You see, fake is uh, Dan Patrick. That's fake radio. That's bullshit radio. Uh, Mike and Mike, bullshit radio. Those guys right now don't like each other. You can tell if you watch it for two seconds. They can't stand each other, but they won't talk about it. Bullshit is, in my opinion, some of the stuff you see on Nesson, where they don't talk about the Eckersley situation. 
What Nesson should do is tell Dennis Eckersley and tell David Price, you're going to sit in a room, the two of you, we're going to put a camera on you, and you're going to talk for 15 minutes. But they won't do that because they don't, they just choose not to do it. They choose to stay away from interesting stuff. We don't. So again, examples of uh, what's fake, you don't have one. I mean, I don't know. My, my parents are dead, I think. I don't think I was fake. Jerry's folks are. Curtis is an alcoholic. Uh, we are pissed at Reamer. Tangway stormed out, and I saw people say it was a stunt at, stunt at the time, and he was going to come back and be the full-time host of the show. Well, obviously, that was bullshit. Uh, so, I, you know, I decided, like, I love that. So we decided one day with Tangway, hey, Gary, you know what? We're going to say this about you, and you walk out for six months, cost yourself thousands of dollars, because it's good for the show. It's a bunch of fun. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I mean, are you a child? Do you really think that's how it works? No, it's not. We get mad at each other, and sometimes that blows over into reality. That's how a show should work. A show should not work like this. Hey, what do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think the Patriots should do about uh, third down situations? He <laughs> Go to the break. Nobody talks to each other. Behind the scenes, motherfuck each other, and then go back on the air and do the same boring bullshit buffet again the next day. Fuck that. Those are the frauds. Those are the fakes. And you could say, oh, you know, oh, Kirk's, uh, Kirk, yeah, Minahan saying like it's you know, but that's orchestrated too. No, nope. I can tell you when I work with John and when I work with Jerry, we have never said before a show, you take this side, I take that side. Uh, you know, that's just terrible radio. It comes across as fake. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get exposed eventually anyway. The biggest story we've ever had is Deflategate, and all three of us agreed on it. I mean, that's why we brought these dummies on every day to fight with them. Do you think if we decided to orchestrate that one of us would have said, would have taken the Tangway side or the, you know, the Tomasi side, the dumb side? Of course. Now we would have fought, but we, we all agreed on it. It was unsucked. It was unfortunate. I'd much rather we disagree on things because that's good radio. Others don't agree with that. Mike and Mike don't disagree. Dan Patrick and his Danettes don't disagree. We disagree. We fight. Sometimes it gets ugly. Sometimes it gets personal. Sometimes it gets unprofessional. But people like that. People enjoy that. So we decide to do it. We talk like people talk when they're hanging out with each other. That, to me, is what you're supposed to do. I don't know. I could be wrong. And I'm not sure Jason Wolf agrees either, and I don't know if Wolf's a big fan of mine. I don't know, but he decided to come on for the second part of the podcast, and we got into it, and Wolfie did a good job. I enjoyed having him on. Uh, you know, we haven't talked a lot in the last three years since he left, uh, but when I sat down with him, I was, I was reminded of how smart he is about radio. You know, he's an adult. He understands the business, and... Uh, and, you know, he should be in the business. I guess he is, but you know what I mean. He should be a program director somewhere doing this. I enjoyed it. It's part two of the Enough About Me podcast with Jason Wolf. I will be back Monday morning at 6 o'clock. I will be solo on Monday. I don't know what the rest of the week looks like, but I'll be alone uh, on Monday morning um, at 6 o'clock. And as I said, call in if you want. I'll answer anything you want. Everything is in play. I know that that might sound fake. But you can ask whatever you want. I'll do my best to answer it. So I'm back Monday morning uh, on the Kirk and Callahan show. But this is part two of Enough About Me with Jason Wolf. Before we get to the other stuff, we'll get to what it always comes down to in this podcast is me. You know, ultimately, that's why, <laughs> it's why we're here. Figures. And I tell the story all the time. I would say it was five or six years ago we had a meeting. We would meet, I would say, semi-regularly in your office before I was full-time. Yes. Uh, full-time on the air, I mean. I was working at the website and on the radio. Uh, honestly, more than I met with with Kevin or Joey after that in terms of just sort of talking about stuff because I think now they feel like they can't talk to me about anything because I'm just going to say fuck you and walk away. So at that point, I was still, you are, right? I was still submissive at that point. <laughs> but I always say you did sit me down one time and say, I don't think you're going to be an everyday on-air personality. Do you remember saying that? I don't. When did I say that? I'm, like you with the first day you worked here, I don't have the specific date. I didn't write it down when it happened, but it was before I was, I was doing like weekends and stuff. I remember thinking, oh, you know, okay, that's going to be something, you know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. But then when, uh, when you guys pick Winter over me uh, to do that, which was the right move, by the way, I always say, like, that role in there, I'm pointing the meters booth, I sucked yeah. at. I would have been a bad fit at that. Were you advocating for me to replace Winter when I assume Jerry or John said we got to get rid of this guy? Or was it just, let's just throw him in here, who cares, just, just trying to do something quick? Kirk, I wanted you to take the job from the beginning. You didn't want that role. Because I would have sucked at it. I don't remember that. Is that true? Hell yes, it was. Really? Yeah, and that's the way I remember it. Absolutely. I wanted you to be in that role. I had envisioned a, a growth for you that I'm not going to say ultimately would have led to where you are today because I didn't see that coming. And it's kudos to you that you've been able to do what you've done so far. So you're surprised I've had some success in this business? 
I, no, I'm not surprised. I'm I'm um, astonished, frankly. No, I'm kidding. I think <laughs> that you're you're doing an excellent job. I mean, you you figured out what it needs the, the personality traits that are needed. But at that time, we were looking for a specific role. Right, I couldn't and do that. You couldn't, so you chose not to do it. When oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't offered that job. Sure. No, 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 no. That's not true. I was not offered yes, that was. job. I, I wanted you to have, again. I want. It's like, it's like I wanted you to have that job. You didn't want it. You, you did not offer me that job. Yes, I did. You did not. So we should go back. You want me to go pull the contract? Yes. I still have it. Look at it. That was a few contracts ago. A few. Um, you probably don't remember that one. No, that one I don't remember. It might fit in your other pants. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Is that really true? Yes. It's Did I turn it true. down? Yes. You didn't want to do it. Presumptuous asshole. Really? I don't think we talked money. I said, I right. want you to have the role. I think you right. can be good with those guys. Right. And you didn't want to do it for that particular role. By the time you got into the role, there was, I think I was only there for another maybe four months. Six months, maybe? Six months Whatever tops. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, I admittedly at that point wasn't giving you a lot of guidance, and I don't think you were listening to too many people other than yourself in terms of how you were going to make it work with the two of them. Right. And you sensed, rightly so, that you could become a real third voice and then ultimately grow yourself from there. And I think that's what happened. Well, what I sensed from the start, too, was, and there's a sort of narrative that well, we can get to it, that I pushed John out, and that's fine. But I sort of sensed. You did, but that's all right. Did not, did not. We can get to that. But I sensed <laughs> some tension between the two hosts anyway, which, as you yes. know, existed already at that point. I'm I sure, think that's true. I'm sure you've had many you're, – you're in the, uh, the middle of many battles between those two over the years. But I felt yeah. – you know I felt bad – sorry, Jason. You know what I felt bad for, though, and I've said this before, was Winter. That was kind of a no-win situation for him, really. Yeah. Like, I, he was too – like, he's good – it's what he is, but what he is doesn't fit in with what John and Jerry do, you know? It wasn't a good fit, right? It was it was a mistake. Yeah, but and, but uh, see, but but see, this doesn't happen enough in radio. I think sometimes you got to say, like, fuck well, it. we did, we did. That's what I'm saying. So that's what you did. You said, fuck, it's not working. Yeah, let's go on to whoever. And then I said, okay, I'll do it, but I don't want to sit in there. I want to sit in here. And, right. and ironically, the one who was more open to that at the start was John. John was far more open to that at the beginning than Jerry. Jerry wanted me in there and doing other stuff. He had this right. weird one of these well, weird because Meter's role. There were there were more facets to it than I'm going to give you the scores every 20 yeah, minutes. I mean, they wanted him to do bits. They wanted right. him to do um, uh, creativity and come up with additional content that was not going to be a regular part of the show. Right. And that wasn't necessarily your thing. Your thing is more being involved in the discussion, building right. the – advancing the dialogue, which you're good at. So I can understand why there was some discrepancy there. But, you know, again, we were – a little bit too tunnel vision at that point and didn't uh, didn't see too far ahead when we should have that Kevin, as good a broadcaster as he is, wasn't going to be able to add that additional element that both those guys wanted. How would Jason Wolf had handled the Kirk Callahan and Dennis situation from like, you know, as we came toward the end of it? <laughs> I don't know. Because I mean, listen, you you like John. Obviously, you you know you John have had a great, I guess, had a great partnership together. We had a lot of success. Uh, you wrote something for where'd you write? Dirty Water thing? Media. Dirty Water Media. We wrote about John. And John had a great career. There's no question. So I, you're loyal to him. He's loyal to you. I get that. But I wonder, looking at that, would you? I mean, how do you how do you handle that? I think I would have sat the three of you down way before it was obvious that it was becoming a factor. Right. And tried to have an open dialogue about who wanted. Right. And I think what I might have heard was that John didn't want the same thing as he wanted from two years earlier. And he just, I think he wanted to take it a little easy, which is okay. He I was getting to the, to the end yeah. of his career, and he had a tremendous career. Um, but maybe he didn't want to work as hard. Right. And you're the young up-and-coming buck who's you know, bull in a china shop, and you wanted to work hard, and you wanted to be aggressive. And I think that that was a factor for him. And you know how hard Jerry works, too. How, how, yeah. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the thing that people never understand about radio guys is they think they just work from 6 to 10 or 10 right. to 2 or right. whatever. Some do, I guess. And so, some, yeah, some, right. some probably do. But for the most part, the real good ones, they're thinking about it constantly. All day. They're thinking about it 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as they do it. And if you're not doing that, you're not being as prepared as you could be. Right. Um, 
There was certainly too much tension, I think, on air for the three of you that some listeners probably really loved because they just wanted to hear the battles. But it was a little uncomfortable for others. And I don't think it was healthy. Uh, I I don't think it would if I was sitting here, I don't think it would have been healthy uh, to to continue to advance a show forward. And certainly you got to the point where one of you is going to go. Right. And it wasn't going to be you. I guess not. Yeah, I guess not. But John, no, you're right. John had a great career, and I haven't talked to him in forever. But you know, I, I don't know. Um, what do you think uh, when you look at both stations? Saying again, I know you listen to it much. What is your take? What is your what is your? So the two stations are really defined by the morning shows. The personality of EEI is in large part based on what you guys do every day, and I think the same for them. And that's what keeps them on two separate tracks, even then. Maybe to a, a little bit of a degree because Felger and Maserati have done so well. Right, uh, they are um, they they are probably equal with Touch and Rich in terms of what drives that station. But if you listen from ten o'clock on to both stations, you're hearing much more sports. Right, you're hearing much more uh, not cookie cutter tunnel vision breaking no. it down type of stuff. But it's good sports talk with production and. Does that still work? Not as a whole. I guess Felger and Maz do it and it works. Well, I, mean, I mean, the ratings for both stations, we always say yeah, this. Are, the, are, well, you know. My point is, Kirk, yeah. that not the, whether I like or dislike political talk or whether anybody dislikes it or likes it, it's irrelevant. What, what happens is people get attached to certain personalities on the air. You guys have had a tremendous amount of success by being a lot of things to a lot of people, but mostly being true to yourselves. Right. And that's what's real about it. So if you're going off on a rant about something Jerry said as it relates to could be related to Brady, could be related to Trump, could be related to Bill Cosby. Right. Doesn't make any difference. People are compelled by that because they can appreciate the passion with which you discuss it. The, the I think in a, in an in an odd way uh, Trump fighting with the media as much as he had uh, has rather over the last eighteen months to, to two years now um, has seeped into uh, radio to a certain degree. That's probably true because you have um, it's okay to fight with the media, right? Even if you're in the media, right? right. <laughs> and you guys are making a career out of that right now. But the um, but that there's nothing wrong with it, and so I would be so supportive of that at this point. Because I know that's what works, and I wouldn't worry about, well, we're going to piss off this guy or this guy's going to tell us to go pound sand. you got to take the good with the bad. And if you look at it as a whole, even though there may be the perception that there's a, a likability factor or less of it with your show than there is with uh, Toucher and Rich, both shows are imminently, hugely successful. Hugely right. successful. Well, I want the Jason Wolf program director coming in to criticize. What are the criticisms of Kirk and Callahan? That's what I want. <laughs> the criticisms of Kirk and yeah, Callahan. Yeah, well, Wolfie comes far in. Far too much Kirk. I well, mean, that's obviously. true. When Wolfie comes in at 10.15 and sort of after the back slap, and then he starts getting into it. What's the issues? I think that there are um, a lot of things that are excellent about the show. No, 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 no. There's passion. There's Just, energy. No, 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 no. I can handle it. I'm Just getting get, to it. Just get to I'm it. I'm getting get to, to it. it. Get okay. To it. But there, there certainly is too much of the uh, I don't care about sports. And I, I, that sounds odd, but what I'm saying is sometimes when I listen to you guys discuss sports, right. I feel like you don't even give a shit about what you're talking about. Not about all sports stories. Certainly. Well, you, you, no, but you, you – well, give me an example of what you're talking about. One that I care about? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking around. Like, let's say – when we're talking about the, the Cavaliers and the, and the Warriors are playing, as we're taping this, they're getting ready to play game uh, uh, five, five tonight, right? See, I know. I, see, I'm keeping up. I'm a sports fan. Uh, when we talk about Golden State versus, say, the Celtics, or where Golden State ranks historically, like, I can have a really passionate argument about that. I cannot have a passionate argument or conversation about Carson Smith coming back. Like, I'm just not built to do that. And I think right. it's better to say on the air, I'm not built to do that, than pretend like I'm built to do that. Yeah, I agree. I'm saying that there are certain times where it sounds like no matter what you're talking about as it relates to sounds sports. Sounds like we want to get to the next stuff. It's just let's move on to the next thing. Let's get right. back to the social issues of the right. day. Or and own show, a little circle jerk. Whatever with, it is. Right, I mean, right. I, to me, there's – and it's not so much that you're bringing in the, the 
other side of the political scene? I mean, honestly, I, I don't really care what Alex or Trenny or any of those people have to say about <laughs> politics or, right. or any of that. I, I mean, I, I, I would I would mix it more with the passion about Golden State versus the Celtics versus left versus right on the political spectrum. Right. I mean, there may be a certain amount of people that are okay with that. I don't think it's necessary for what you do. And I frankly think you're just pigeonholing those guys into being the leftists that come on as opposed to uh, letting them talk about their institutional knowledge if, if you think that they're good enough to do that. I guess the that's I think that's a legitimate argument. But I do think, you know, like, like you're saying, bring other like, do you want other people to be in the mix? Because it's what we talked about before. Who are you bringing in? I mean, think of the people we've brought in. Trenny, who, okay, Reamer was nobody. You know, Mutt was a guy who was doing nights and hadn't worked in middays. I mean, Tangway we brought off from out of nowhere. Like, it's sort of, it's, you know, I don't know if there are four other people. You well, know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that there, you need You're to bring anybody in. You're saying use them in a different way. Like, use I, Alex I, Reamer's I, deep institutional knowledge of uh, basketball and baseball? I'm saying if you think he's qualified to talk about other subjects besides uh, – left versus right social issues, then, yeah, I think you should talk yeah, to him. I'm not sure he is. He's, well, if he's not, then he's not. I mean, but you, you worked with him, right? No? I worked with him very briefly. On the big show Unfiltered? Yes. Which I was never for. in the house for that. You were never, you were never part of that? Kind of part uh, of it? Not part I of helped it? him with a little bit of marketing. That's yeah. about it. How long were you and Glenn? Did you and Glenn at any point not talk? Like, was no, there we cool, stayed in touch. No, I'm saying when, you, when, when, you, when he lost his job and he got fired, everything was fine. Uh, he understood. We talked all the time. Yeah, he understood that there wasn't... Because did you actually, so when Glenn got fired, did you, are you the one who said you're out? Yeah. Called him in his office, or called him in your office and said you're done? I did. Was he shocked, or did he have some idea that it was coming? Uh, I don't know if he was shocked. Uh, I, I think he was, um, I think he handled it as professionally as he could handle it. Um, well, it says a lot about the guy when you, when you say, I trust you to have three days on the air. I mean, there's some guys who would, would you have done that for John? Right. I, mean, I think it would depend. Each Mikey situation is different. No, I, mean, look, I mean, no. I, I look at Kirk. I said to, um, first of all, I insisted that I be the one to tell. Right. When they decided that it was time we were going to move. That um, after show, 6 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want it any other way. Right. But I also said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to let him have his time, and whatever criticism we get that comes with it, and there'll be a lot, we're just going to eat it and not worry about it because he had too long of a career and too much success and meant too much to the station to just tell him at 6 o'clock he's done and never hear from him again. I thought that would have been colossally unfair, and corporate agreed. And so that's why it was done the way it was done. How about Dale? Was Dale just – you know Dale did the show with that day? Me. I filled in for Hall. Is that right? Yeah. I remember we were walking back to the office, and you actually grabbed him, and I kind of was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I left, and then read later that day he was gone. Was he completely stunned? Uh, I mean, I worked on that day. I, I I didn't get the sense of something. Yeah, he he, thought. he uh he was he was not happy. Yeah, <laughs> let me let me leave it at that. Uh, he was not happy. Yeah, and it's somebody you had known for a long time. First guy I ever worked with. Yeah, yeah. so that's got to be for you an odd. Like I see it now to some extent with Joey. You know, I've known Joey for nine or ten years now, and it's just like eventually Joey will probably be the one who fires me, and it's going to be a weird experience for both of us. I would think. Well, no. Again, it's it's not a fun scenario to have to go through any of that. Uh, but at the same time, um, we were trying to move in another direction. It was the wrong direction, and I'm glad, frankly, to see that all those guys are back. It was, it, you know, the, there was a lot more life left in that old lineup than I think people gave it credit for, and nothing proves that more than the fact that. Dale and Holly are back, and, and even though there may be a, a large discrepancy in the ratings, they're still doing very well, much better than what was going on before them. And Glenn has revived that midday show. And now, as I understand it, I haven't seen the ratings in a while, but as I understand it, they're basically nip and tuck. You know, these guys will win one week, and, right. and Glenn and his guys will win another week. So. Sounds like you've been talking to Glenn. <laughs> I have talked to him, but, <laughs> I know, I know. but I, I've talked to other people as well. Right. So no, they're doing great. I, I don't think he's. No, they're doing uh, very well. And so you look at that, and other than a couple of other puzzle pieces that might be in different slots, and one other personality uh, in Christian Fourier, mm -hmm. 
It's all the same people. Right. Well, it feels like that feels like the big show now to some extent. Yeah, right. with, with two with right. two with permanent guys, guys every day. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Who's the biggest asshole you ever worked with at EI? Ah. Uh, there were so many, Kirk. Well, give me one. You said this guy's just yeah. an asshole. See, I knew you were going to pin me down with one of these types of questions where I just have to throw somebody under the bus, and I'm trying to think who should it be. Um, you know, honestly, for, I, I don't think that there were there was anybody I didn't get along with. I mean, I had um, I had my share of disagreements with people. I think people respected me because I would at least tell them the truth, even if they didn't like it. But n- nobody nobody came off like a complete ass, and, right. and just. Uh, somebody I didn't want to work with. Not Jeff Brown? I think he was doing what... Uh, he was told to what do. His, what his... He, he was put into a role uh, to make some hard decisions. And he was not um, an asshole, per se, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he didn't understand the way this market worked. And that made it challenging. The, the bigger challenge was that... He felt it was going to help him if he let the Boston Globe report on everything that we did before we did it. Right. And that was a real challenge for me. I, and I said as much to everybody at the time. I just felt like I was putting out fires constantly. Something would show up in the paper. I'd get a call from a talent. What's this? I don't even know about it because right. it's in the paper. Uh, that was hard. Um, but, you know, again, there – Everybody uh, has their own philosophy as to how they want to go about doing uh, what they think is going to be in the best interest of the station. And at that, I can assure you that that was not in the best interest of the station, particularly around the time that uh, we were making the change with Glenn, because that caught everybody completely off guard. Totally. And it's not as though the Globe wrote some big, you know, uh, unbelievable piece, it's time to let Glenn go and Right. And this new guy who's going to be the greatest thing ever. I don't remember reading that. That did not exist. <laughs> but do you think, I, I, you might agree with this, Wolfie. I do think that, like, I know some people read it, but there is no doubt that it's our little world when it comes to this media stuff. I mean, I read it. I know I get worked up about it. But like, oh, yeah. I, like, I know Nine I was, out of ten people have no right. idea. I always use my dad as an example. Unfortunately, my dad definitely doesn't read it now. But my dad, like, didn't read. Like, he didn't, until I started doing it, he didn't know. Like, he doesn't know who's replacing who. Like, if I said to him, who's on midday at whatever, he'd say, what? What are you talking about? Who's this guy? Like, that is our own little circle jerk. I totally agree with that. Yeah. It, but that doesn't mean, but to your point, it doesn't mean that you get any less pissed off when you read something about it that you don't know about. You know, I remember reading that, that I well, just hold on started. a second. Wait, you're, you're, I'm, I'm talking about when you're making really big, yeah, high-profile yeah, yeah. no, decisions, that that's, is, that's different. People sure, were sure. paying attention yeah, to that. Yeah. No, I get that. If, if some little thing shows right. up in the paper that is, right. is you know, mind-numbing, doesn't matter, then, yeah, it's the, just the, the internal uh, sports right. media world of the people that pay attention. But Why? for something like that, right. that had ramifications way beyond sports. Right. You're talking advertising and also and all that yes. stuff, too. But I remember when I first started with Sean Lynch, right, maybe a month in, uh, the, the Globe had written that they were looking at adding, you guys were looking at adding Mary Paletti, who was the first Quickslance girl with Karin, right. to the show. And I remember thinking, that makes absolutely, like, it's not possible if that makes sense. All right, so you, you know? want to hear the story? Here's the story. Yeah, well, I remember but, you told me after, but go ahead, yeah. The story is that I called her up, because I frankly thought she was good on that show. Yeah, with, they had good uh, chemistry. She just left the business, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. I, and and I, I went and saw her. Took her out for coffee, yeah. just to talk to her. I right. wasn't offering her a job. I wasn't even really thinking about it as uh, a real possibility. But I took her out. We talked. We had a long conversation, and I liked her. Mm-hmm. I thought that she had some spunk. I thought that she had some knowledge. I thought she could play well uh, off of the two guys. But I promised her that the conversation would stay just between us. And I came back, and, of course, I had to right. report to my general manager. This is what happened, and it was a good conversation. Let's see uh, where this goes. No rush. We'll take our time. Plus, she had a contract that was coming up with contracts. Right. So if it got out, she didn't want uh, anybody to know that she might be looking because she wasn't looking. Right. Well, when that showed up in the paper, that was not a good thing for her. Right. And... Um, you know, that, that part of it really bothered me because I said we need to keep, keep it under wraps, right. and nobody else knew about it. Right. Well, there you go. 
Uh, I'll let you go here in a couple minutes. One thing, what do you, what do you think is going to happen with this merger? I know you're, you're into this. I think that the department, well, let me put it this way. First of all, if I'm on, if I'm here, mm-hmm. I think it's phenomenal. I, I would love to be in a position to have some role in, in dealing with both brands because they're so successful and so big at this point. Right. So when I say if I'm here, if I'm an internal intercom person, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. Okay. Um, I think the challenge is, are they going to be able to keep both of the sports stations? Oh, yeah. I know that Intercom wants to. Um, it certainly makes perfect sense that they would want to. Uh, I think that the from the people that I have talked to, uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination that they'll get to. The Department of Justice says, I think it's public knowledge. I don't think I'm speaking out of school. Uh, everybody knows that they're looking into it. Yep. And they're going to look under every rock and every tree branch and every piece of dirt to see if they can find a way that uh, leaving the two entities uh, intact under the same roof is going to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not even venture a guess as to what they're going to do because they have so many different things that they're looking into yeah. uh, in order to have them make that decision. Uh, but I would say that it's 99.9% not going to happen until the end of the year. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Not that I know anything, but that's, that's what people keep saying to me. How about my, my theory, my conspiracy theory, that John Henry is going to sweep in at the last second and buy WEI? Well, unless the commission changes its rules at some point where one entity can own radio, TV, and newspaper in the same market, which right Sell now you globe. can't. Sell the globe. Sell the globe. Well. No, you're not buying um, it? Well, well I, I don't think so. I, no. He has interest in, in radio. You know that. I mean, yeah. you know, well, sure. They yeah. were going to buy part of uh, right, right. WBOS before right. the Correct. last con- two, well, two contracts go now yeah, yeah. Uh, with Intercom. So uh, he would certainly like to, um, to control that if he right. could. That wouldn't be good for you guys, though. Uh, no, that would mean we'd be out of work. <laughs> <laughs> they would say you have to sit there. And, it, I think that I'm not even mocking these guys. I, I like them. You become an expert on carts and Smith's delivery. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you fast. that. Uh, I think they would say we would really like to use Tom Karen and Tim Wakefield in the morning. I think that's what they would do, Tim right? Rice. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, but and just say the ratings might not be great, but we have a couple of advertisers, no problem. We have the games. We have, we're going to be the Red Sox station. You know, and Lou and whatever. But actually, you know what? Lou would, is too critical of the Red Sox. I think they would just go all 24 hours a day. I'm not sure if that would work. I mean, you get it. The- it wouldn't, but it's not going to. I don't think it's right. going to happen. I, I think that, look, if the merger is going to happen. It's just a question of right, how which stations are ultimately going to be divested. So uh, the th- this market, I, I can tell you with complete confidence that this particular market, Boston, is at the very top of the list in terms of what the department's looking at. They're obviously looking at other markets because of some of the synergies that uh, are, are in existence there, but they're definitely looking at Boston as the, the number one factor in terms of how they choose to, to how they have this thing go forward. I get this question asked once in a while. You're better at answers than I am. If number one station in the market, uh, we'll, we'll pick 25, 54, you can pick a lot of them, was country, number two is country, they would add a third country. If it was classic rock, classic rock, they had a third classic rock. Right now, it's sports, sports by a lot are one and two. Yes. Why not add a third sports station that, let's just say it does, it's seventh or eighth in the market. But if you get lower priced salary guys, uh, maybe you make a little bit of money off it. There's certainly enough passion. I right. Mean, it, it would have to be. Do you local. need a team? Not necessarily. No. It's more expensive, I know, than, you know, you're going to pay these guys a little more than you would pay a DJ for playing music all day. I understand that. Is that a factor? Or is it just not being able to find talent? I mean, look, a stick? as we said from the early part of this conversation, the, uh, the the marquee talent, first of all, you got to pay for them. Right. Second of all, there are not so many of them out there. So if you if the third wheel, if somebody comes in and wants to be a third wheel and wants to do it with B and C talent versus A and B talent, can they make a go of it? Maybe. Let's say they're going to Jason Wolf. They're going to give you the job. Here's your check. You're the new PD of the third sports station. They can't station. afford me. <laughs> third sports station in town. Uh, you're going to go and grab a show, right? You're going to go see who's available and try and grab what one of three or four shows at the two stations. I mean, who would you look? What would you look? To I don't first? know. I mean, again, it depends on what their overall philosophy is. If they want it, if it's just going to be nuts and bolts, you can pick a thousand guys to do right. that. If they want it to be 
personality driven. We'll say they're doing that. So you go and you try and grab one of the two morning shows. Maybe. I mean, but I don't, third wheel's not going to be able to afford one of the two morning shows. Right. And they probably wouldn't be able to afford uh, one of the teams either. Right. So it's a, it would be a tough putt um, to try to do that. Now, if you had uh, Comcast as an example, who's trying to build out this local lineup. Right. Let's say Comcast cut a deal with some other radio station and it was a simulcast or some version of a simulcast with content they're already producing. I've heard something and, similar to that. There's rumors about that with them. Oh, there are. Well, yeah. okay. So it that might be a way that a third player could come into the market. I just think it's highly unlikely at this point that uh, another individual owner would come in and try to build a third station against right. two that are just crushing it already. I think it would be a waste of money and time. Would you want to be a program director full-time at the sports radio station again or no? I had plenty of opportunities to do that. Right, around the country, right? Yeah. You didn't want to move. I didn't want to move. Uh, I had an offer in San Diego. I had a lot of interest at two different stations in Miami, uh, Chicago, and it just wasn't the right situation for me and my family. Um, Under the right circumstances, I mean, I would certainly never close the door. I mean, it's still a very big passion of mine. But it would have to be the right fit, and I would have to be right for them, and they would have to be right for me. And at this point, uh, where I'm at in my life, um, it's not something I'm looking for actively, for sure, but uh, I would answer the phone. So you'd like to work with Kirk Minahan again? Is that what you're saying? If I had the opportunity to work with Kirk Minahan, that might <laughs> absolutely vault me to the top of my We got along okay. Chart. People always think, I- I'm not that hard to work with. We got along okay. I thought you were going to be grilling me. This has been like That's what I'm saying. cupcake. I yeah, mean, I, mean, geez, well, I, I mean, well, I mean, you did lie about offering me the job, and obviously you're not. Hardly lied. I'll take responsibility lied. for Salk, but that's okay. I mean, you know. No, I'm taking responsibility. I know, I know, I know. But I said, just, you can't even tell me who one asshole is that you've worked with. I know when you get off the air, you could list me 30 assholes that you worked with. I really can't. Oh, come on. I've worked with assholes. Yeah, but that's because you think people are assholes. What do you mean by that? I like to see the good in people. You do? I've never noticed that about you. <laughs> when did you yeah. start doing that? About three years ago? Two years ago? Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, no, I, the, the people that I worked with the closest, Yeah. again, I felt like I had, I had the respect because I would tell them the truth. Doesn't mean they liked everything I did. Doesn't mean they liked everything I said. Doesn't mean they liked me all the time. Right. But there was a professional respect, and that helped me be very successful in my career. Do you find it humorous that Joe Zarbano is the program director of EEI right now? The former intern? Yes. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't. I do. He's my he's my boss. I find it humorous. You do? Well, I mean, it's it's yes, it's odd to see him in that position now because you know. Does he the wear guy, a tie every day? No, but he's the guy who you know. He's the guy who sent the uh, who sent the penis cake to Chicago. Remember a couple of years ago, and now <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, God forbid, you say it's, it's funny seeing the you know. When you're the producer of a show versus when you're the program director, all of a sudden the stuff that was funny when you're a producer isn't so funny anymore. You didn't think that was funny? The penis cake thing? Well, he was a producer then. I'm saying I don't think <laughs> Boss Joey Zarbano thinks it's too funny then. Probably not. Were you around for Aaron Andrews or no? You were gone by then, right? I was gone. Because yeah. we talked, I remember, during that. Right. Yeah. I mean. Uh, it was stupid. I mean, it, was, it was fucking stupid. Those decisions have to be made quickly and decisively. And when you let it drag out, it's it becomes problematic. Uh, yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. All right, I'll let you go. You've been around here long enough. I can't believe you like... didn't ask me about Portnoy. Oh, shit. Oh, that, that means you want to talk about Portnoy. But fantastic. <laughs> we can definitely do that. Excellent. Good job, Wolfie. So did you, you must well, have you heard... were You were getting so lame here, you know, with all this fluffiness. I thought you were... Well, again, if you can't name one asshole that you've ever worked with in your life in the radio business, I think we're making. I've worked with plenty of right assholes, but not at EEI necessarily. So nobody who's ever at EEI was an asshole ever? No. Why, why are you lying to me? What are you doing? I'm not lying. Oh, Christ. Anyway. You, I'll tell you what. You list 30 people. I'll tell you whether they were an asshole. Kirk Minahan. Yes. Okay, that's so, fair. John fair. Dennis, ever. Uh, a mild asshole. It'd be great. But I like John. John was the greatest. It'd be a great book to be written about Dino, you would say. You know, I, I was debating whether or not to even do this podcast because I could have put more stuff in the book. Are you writing a book? Should yes, you definitely I have should. A lot of good stories. You definitely I should. Can it could be like what's his face's book, Carter Allen's book, but for EI, people would read that. That It'd would do good. well. I think people would get to work on. I think that. I need a ghostwriter. I'm sure you're literary, really, but that's okay. You should probably get somebody who knows how. I to was write an English major. What are you talking I'm about? Sure I have Rob Bradford writing. You guys get along. So no, well. I would never have Rob. <laughs> 
Could somebody from EEI couldn't write it? Okay, yeah, that, that must be outside. Although Carl Allen's book was pretty good, I thought. I didn't read it. The BCM one? Jesus, you're in the biz. What the fuck? <laughs> so did you hear? Portnoy? It was a good book. Did you hear Portnoy book. and Glenn on our show? I did. Yes. I, well, not at the time, but, but after I'm saying the subsequently, fact. you heard it. Yeah. Okay. Got, so, well, the funny thing, Kirk, is who's I right or wrong? What's the question again? I forget what the uh, the, the Ord the Portnoy. No, go ahead. What was funny? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I the, the funny thing was that I started getting texts and direct messages on Twitter while it was happening. Yeah, you unfollowed, you unfollowed me on Twitter, by the way. I unfollowed you. you unfollowed a lot of the EI people on Twitter. On Twitter, I unfollowed everybody from both stations. Yeah, why? On purpose. Why? Because I don't need to deal with it day to day. I've got a different set of. Uh, circumstances i'm in, involved with now so it's uh, oh, for christ go ahead you know it is what it is Hurt but my, every now and then i do a little search and see my feelings but that's fine i don't, don't want to get into it well, you but, unfollowed me too because yeah, you unfollowed me first that's a power is that move. why yes i was gonna block you go ahead <laughs> you're gonna block so, me so, so go ahead so i never block me. anybody by the way you don't say whatever you want do you mute them nope really nope but you don't have to well sticks and stones kirk i mean you're in a different on. position than i am jason all due respect you're a little you're outside the you're a little outside the game right now you can do that thank you yes anyway so, no, so Portnoy. So, so Portnoy, Norway. Yeah, so I thought it was funny that uh, the prevailing theory, theory was that that became such a big story the day it actually happened. That's not true. It, it didn't become a story until at least a couple of days after. Well, Dave made the story, right? Which, he, the Bra- about, oh, oh, you mean about, about Brady's kid's uh, picture yeah, or about, I, about Portnoy's reaction to EI? No, no, about what he did. Right. Oh, I get it you. wasn't really that big a story that day. It so was, Glenn was. It became all drummed up because everybody was talking about it. Right. And uh, I'll, I'll say two things about it. One is that uh, he he was given a raw deal, Portnoy, by by the company, and I'm going to take the full blame for that. Okay. Because if you if we took a step back and realized. The situation, while I thought what he did was completely over the line and wrong, posting naked pictures of uh, right. I agree with that. his son, yes. the reality is that it wasn't really that big a deal. It wasn't this whole explosion, now we have to get the lawyers involved and legal and all that. If I had to do that over again, I would have had him in the next day to explain. Well, that was always Jerry's problem. So you, Jerry says you didn't let him back on. You said no more. I didn't let him. Yeah, I didn't because I was told that we're not going to put him on. It's that wasn't your call, to, though, I'm saying. No, it's not my call. Again, and so I you, certainly didn't run into the studio that day and say, oh, we're not going to do this report night. That right. did not happen. I only saw you do that once when I was working with uh, Mutt and I. I was filling in for Lou one day. I said something about Jack Edwards. And I used the word ejaculate to describe and You ran in the studio. You were, all, you were all pissed off. Which is unlike you. I think something else was going on. You took it out on me. Because I was having a bad day. I think that's what it was. Could have been. You were being an asshole, ironically, that day. I might have been. You're one of the assholes I worked with. I can name like 500 of them. You're on that list. <laughs> yeah, so, but I'm a professional asshole. No, there's no doubt. So you, so your contention is that the company screwed up in handling Portnoy, which I agree with. I mean, that, that's, that, that, was, that, that seems like an yeah, easy Yeah, again, I, I think there was – well, I, I, think, I know the there day. was – right. There, there was um, – there was pressure from the Patriots. There was a lot of rumors no and, and discussion going back and forth about what was or may happen uh, from a legal perspective. Nothing happened. Now, of course, and, Robert Kraft is, is buddies of Portnoy. They do videos together. Yeah, right? best buddies. Right. I think he gave Portnoy a bunch of his shoes. <laughs> he did. So I mean, it's all good stuff. But, again, I think that the just, to me, it's, it's not so much about what he did. It's about the role that he was playing. Right. At the time, I didn't think he was a great fit with John and Jerry yeah. because they sounded like a bunch of dirty old men talking to him because right. at the time his site was much more um, you know, smoke show and all that stuff yeah, based yeah. as opposed to now, which is much more lifestyle and is very effective to reach a, a lot right. of different people. And right. clearly he has a huge following and credit to him. Um, so, yeah, I think some of those things get blown out of proportion and I feel uh, badly that we didn't see through that a little bit and, and handle it in a more appropriate way. Because he would have been good to provide that form and, and allow him to have a back and forth, whether it was with Glenn or John and Jerry at the time. But it probably would have been with Glenn because they had the... Right the thing. Uh, anything else? You see, you, you, you seem like you had Portnoy in your pocket. Anything else I forgot to ask Well, you? I thought for sure that was the first thing you were going to talk to me about. Anybody fucking, that's a bad job by me. How about Shepard? What about him? Well, how about the, the whole, you know, he lost his mind, we brought him back. We, if, if Pete did what he did 
And you're the program director. Is that a lifetime ban? When he goes on with Portnoy and says all those things, the station sucks, sinkingship.com, or do you bring him back? And then what he did, then what he did uh, on the air that day, which is scrubbed from, from history. You were there for that. I was. Right. I, I remember. I would, I would have never let him back. So for you, Pete gets a lifetime ban. Yeah, well, you can't use the station to air your own grievances. Now, I, to, to a little bit of his defense, I understand why he was upset because he couldn't get a meeting and he felt like he had something to offer and uh, it was what it was. But that's not the way you handle it. That's completely unprofessional. And as much as I love Pete, uh, that, that was not a thing I was going to tolerate. Don't you get the sense, and I love Pete too, I know you do, it's always the same with Pete, though. It starts out great, and then he wants more, and then he wants more, and then he wants more. He's like a little <laughs> kid. He gets all red, and then he just explodes. Like, like this thing down yeah. in Florida is going to end horribly, and, like, you know, he'll wind up somewhere else. I hope else. not. Oh, I don't, I don't either. I love well. Pete. I love Pete, but you know how it is. And then he'll be somewhere else, like, three months later. I'll say, this is great. And then they're like, oh, my God, we're doing this whole thing over again. Yeah. Uh, Pete, Pete filled a tr- an He's excellent awesome role. on the big show. He was tremendous. And it's pretty funny when you think about it because Glenn had two guys – so diametrically know, opposite. Right? It's true. Grandy. And they were both good. But for what they did, outstanding. Yeah, Grandy Perfect. was kind of like the Breen of Imus, sort of. With, with yeah, but better. Said, better. I would agree better. better. Uh, why did Pete get fired the first time? Online Position poker? elimination. It was not online poker during the show? It's not online poker. It was a position elimination. Somebody else where you could have said to him, we're going to cut your salary by 40%? Or you never had that conversation either? I didn't. I, well, that was not an option. That was uh, just gone at the time. It was just we're going to eliminate the position. And now all those positions are eliminated because you guys are doing all the updates yourself, right? I don't do them. Ken Laird does them. That's I, true. Well, you. I, I, I don't do updates. That's let's a little that's, beneath you. I'm, it's, I'm let's sorry not. Let's that. not. Uh, don't you think updates? I know it's sponsored, but like you know, I mean, they're going to do an update in 29 minutes here, and they're going to tell us that the Red Sox lost last night at one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, yeah, I think they're know. pretty useless. I mean, isn't that kind of well, the, look, it, it's not really any different than whatever your main subject is. I mean, you you guys walk in here, you got a sheet of ideas you're going to go after right. uh, for, for topics. Most people probably know that those are the things you're going to talk about. Yes. So they're not necessarily going to learn anything. Uh, they're certainly not going to be uh, informed because you told them that the Red Sox lost 8-3 right. uh, to three last night. Um, what they're going to listen for is what your opinion is about all that stuff. And so, yeah, the updates have a place, but they certainly don't need to be three times an hour or two times an hour. Or Can I tell you the smartest, the smartest thing you ever said to me? What's Would you like to know that as we wrap it up? Sure. And I'm looking at it. Does it still exist? If you notice, it's not on right now. This right here is the text machine because I never, ever, ever, ever turn it on because I don't care. It's a waste of time. Yeah. You said to me one time, we're in a meeting, you and I or something. You said if it was, you said if it was up to me, I would take the text machine and throw it out the window. I remember you said, I that. said that. Yes, yeah. you said that. And I stand by that 3,000%. It does not, unless it's sponsored right now, which I forget about. If it is, it's great. But, like, it adds, it's only a distraction. Twitter is a distraction, but it's a, it's a necessary distraction. You just have to have it because shit's going on. Yes. But there is no reason for that thing. None. Well, it, it allows you to stay more focused. Uh, the majority of the to have people, it off, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, to yeah, not yeah. look at it. Right. It's the same thing, I guess, but. Either way, uh, whatever you think is uh, is best. When I say you, I mean the show. Right. Is best to uh, keep your focus at one hundred percent. That's what you need. And if the texts aren't going to offer you anything, uh, then I don't see any reason to look at them. What's your take on calls? I think that every great show is based on the personality of the hosts and the subject matter that they discuss. It's, right. Everything else is a distant second. You don't need a lot of calls. Most callers uh, only call to hear themselves talk, and less than one half of one percent of all the people who listen is that really true? Call. Yes. Is that, that's really true, because I think I think the older hosts sometimes I put Jerry in that category feel like they need to see three or four calls so they think people are listening. It's just you know don't case. I mean I can tell I know we have weeks we we you know we get fewer calls than the other shows. We have weeks uh, we'll get a weekly and we'll look back and I'll think I think we took like twelve calls that week and we did like a fourteen or a fifteen. Subsequently, we could have full lines all week and do a 10. Like, I don't, there's no... Yeah, but again, Kirk, it, it depends what you're talking about. If you're having right. a really good conversation about uh, whether Brady should have been at the Tony Robbins thing, right. calls can be effective. There. Yeah, somebody was but there. If you're yeah. having a conversation based on how come Farrell didn't bunt with two outs in the seventh inning last night, you might not get as many people who are as interesting as other callers. Am I right that these Red Sox callers are older and older? Yeah, 
I think so. Baseball has a real challenge. I know there's a lot of talk they're trying to speed up the game and they've got to make it faster and do this and do that. They need to do more than that. It's it's really catering to um, much older people at this point. It's a great game. It's awesome to have the Red Sox. I mean, they're... They were a terrific partner when I was here. There you go. There's the old but Wolfie you, right there. You got to do it, Enterprise Wolfie. But you got to have uh, you got to have a reason to want to tune in, and you got to be able to um, uh, utilize everything, all the resources that they're giving you. And it's it's tough with uh, with the way the game is. It's hard to watch. I mean, you guys talk about it all the time, and so does the other station. By the way, if you sit down and watch a hockey game that you know is going to be two hours, or two hours, two hours, fifteen minutes. Versus a baseball game that could go five hours. Yeah. No idea. yeah. All right. I'll let you go. You can write the book. When you come back, you're going to come on again. At that point, you will have the one asshole that you worked with in the intercom. I'm going to think of that book will not sell a copy. So you, <laughs> you better make one up soon enough. It's been a long time. If I had to lie, I would lie, but I can't. All right. That's it. Sorry to disappoint you. That's okay. I'm used to it. We'll see you again, uh, Wolfie, uh, down the line. Everything's good, though. Family's good. Job's good. Life's Family's good. good. Job's good. Life's good. Yep. Freshman. Uh, my daughter just completed her freshman year at uh, Emerson. Very mm-hmm. exciting. Excellent. My other daughter is a freshman in high school and ready to be 25. So Come on by in Lexington anytime. I'm a, I'm a, little, I'm a little shorter now than I used to be. I don't think that's possible. Can it's I have Harry's uh, booster seat back, please, for the car? Now the interview's Can. over. Good. Yeah. Excellent. That was good. Those jokes never get tired. Uh, nope, you you never don't. get tired of them. All right, nope. Wolfie. Tough skin, baby. All right, I'll see you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.